Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio in Chicago, Illinois, it's time for Chicago Business Radio. Brought to you by FirmSpace, your private sanctuary for productivity and growth. To learn more, go to firmspace.com. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Chicago Business Radio, and this is going to be a good one. But before we get started, it's important to recognize our sponsor, FirmSpace. Without them, we couldn't be sharing these important stories. Today on Chicago Business Radio, we have Ted Rupp with Covitz Investment Group. Welcome, Ted. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us about Covitz. How are you serving folks? Sure. So Covitz Investment Group is a uh, full-service wealth management firm that's been around for nearly 20 years. We manage about $7 billion in assets for around 2,200 different clients and doing everything from individual kind of stock selection and uh, fixed income selection all the way through kind of full-scale financial planning. Now, at the beginning, was it always that way, a full-service firm, or was it something that evolved over time as, as the needs of your clients grew? It's actually evolved quite a bit over time. Uh, when we first launched back in 2003, we were primarily just a stock and bond firm, just doing pure kind of investment management for our clients. Shortly thereafter, about a year later, uh, we had an individual join our firm that uh, had much more kind of detailed financial planning experience from his time at Deloitte and another company called ACO. And he really kind of turned us into kind of full-scale financial planning firm, moving beyond just kind of investment management. On your website, the headline is, Kovitz is a value-based wealth management firm. Why is value-based important enough for you to kind of headline your website with that language? Sure. So it's it's a bit of a play on words to a certain extent, given that we've always had kind of a, a value tilt in kind of how we select public stocks. But that being said, we feel it goes beyond just stock selection into kind of how we value our clients, our employees, and how we portray that in kind of our everyday actions. So what's some examples of how it plays out in the culture of your firm? Yeah, so great example, kind of more recent example is we actually participate in the Cranes Best Places to Work uh, initiative. So that came out just a couple of weeks ago. And we've only done that for the last couple of years now, but it's been a great tool, both in terms of kind of benchmarking ourselves against our peers, but I'd almost argue more importantly is we get a great survey of our employees that comes along with it on an anonymous basis. And the results of that survey are really utilized to help us drive value to our employee base, listening to them, making sure that we're competitive on benefit packages, pay, communicating things properly, that sort of thing. And in today's tight kind of job market, having a culture and a big why is really compelling uh, when people are choosing where to work and where to spend their time. Yeah, exactly. It's an incredibly competitive market, maybe softened a touch here in the last few months, but still at that point where we need a lot of different aspects uh, to appeal to um, prospective candidates, uh, particularly given that uh, while we are uh, nearly a hundred person firm, that's still uh, small compared to a, a Goldman Sachs or other people in our space that you know, have a much more well-recognized brand name. Now, when the uh, economy is kind of chaotic like it is today and there's so much volatility, is that a good time for firms like yours? Definitely. Um, 
that's how we've really grown in the past. It's during kind of times of, of market turmoil like this, where um, I, I'd say both kind of from the employee aspect, where there are kind of really good candidates out there that are typically available that um, are you know, might not have been available before that we want to kind of pounce on. Um, but really, um, in terms of gaining new business as well and new clients, uh, this tends to be a time where some advisors will free or will kind of freeze up when speaking to their clients and um, you know, are more apprehensive about actually reaching out because uh, their clients might not be happy with how their portfolios have performed during this period of time. Um, but we, on the other hand, really try to take a much more proactive approach and um, really kind of make make it known what exactly is happening, why it's happening, our belief in kind of where things are going from here. And luckily, that's really kind of proven out that uh, once those customers or clients get comfortable with what we're telling them, um, that's when they're sending referrals our way as well. Now, is it a time when, you know, when the market's going up and up and up and it's a bull market, everybody's system is kind of working. Um, it, right. But when there's turmoil like this, then all of a sudden, you know, yesterday's plan isn't so great anymore. Are, are people kind of self-aware enough to say, hey, you know, maybe that I was just kind of riding this wave and that it is better to have kind of a trusted advisor like Kovitz on my team to protect me from myself because a lot of those people that are individuals that are going out there, you know, with their gut or their system, you know, this takes a steady hand during this time in order to really benefit, you know, down the road. And that's exactly right. It's, um, I, I often say that I think that the biggest value that we provide to our clients is actually kind of in the behavioral finance world of really just kind of keeping our clients from doing something that they, they shouldn't be doing because they're acting based on emotion, um, not based on kind of rational business sense. And um, because of that, um, it's, it definitely puts us in a position where we're able to capitalize on things. And a perfect example could be on a day like today where you have uh, certain stocks where uh, earnings are coming out and the certain stocks might be getting decimated. And it would be very hard to go buy those stocks at a time like this when a lot of people are getting out of them. So it's, um, it's really allowed us to, to have kind of a much more open dialogue with our clients and help them understand exactly why we're doing things. Now, is that just built into the service with COVID that you are going to do these kind of wellness checks maybe throughout the year so you, you can kind of remind people, hey, we have a plan here and I'm not going to just make knee-jerk moves because of a headline? Right. It's It's all about creating that initial financial plan and managing the portfolio to perform against that plan over time. And even in times of turbulence like this, just reminding everybody of why they have the plan and what exactly we're doing in order to make sure that that can still be achieved. So how do you kind of keep those lines of communication open? You mentioned that you that your firm is reaching out to people proactively during this time where some firms are, you know, just hiding under the desk and hoping it goes away. Yeah, it's it, so it can be done in a variety of ways. I, I think you know, clearly as, as of the last several years, more and more firms are leaning heavily on communicating through 
um, just electronic means and whether it be emails or newsletters or anything like that. But um, really, I think what matters most now is just picking up the phone and having that uh, that live conversation with someone rather than relying on them reading something that's just kind of been um, published to them. Well, it's great to have both. Um, at the end of the day, I think the, the live conversation matters the most. Because at the heart of this, it's a relationship, right? This isn't, they're not just kind of lines on a spreadsheet. These are human beings that have needs and they have an outcome they desire and, and they're hiring you to help them achieve that. Yeah, exactly. It's um, it, it's something that needs to be revisited often and um, probably reinforced even more often than it's being revisited. So it's uh, just a constant process. Now, part of, uh, uh, we talked a little bit about how the culture of the firm is important and immersing yourself in the community seems to be important also for COVIDs. Can you talk a little about your work with the Social Venture Partners of Chicago? Yeah, so I got involved with Social Venture Partners um, about seven years ago, and it takes a venture capital style approach to um, investing in the nonprofit space. And um, I'd say kind of similar to my involvement in that, a lot of our other partners at the firm had kind of their own causes that they were um, actively involved in. And so uh, about three years ago, uh, Mitch Kovitz and I were actually attending a function and we just kind of said to ourselves, why can't we do something like this? And so what we actually did is we put together uh, an organization called uh, the Kovitz Cares Foundation. And the thinking there was that it would be a good way for us to get our employee base kind of involved in thinking about the nonprofit space, um, but at the same time, kind of leaning on a lot of the people that we work with in the business community, raising dollars that way, um, holding an event to raise additional dollars, and then um, using kind of a similar approach to what we do with Social Venture Partners, where we actually then go invest in um, nonprofits in the Chicago area. So how has that worked for you all? Uh, It's worked out very well. Um, It probably could have gone better if uh, COVID had not (laughs) not kind of derailed our our event, uh, I think, two different times. But um, luckily, we appear to be back on track. We have... uh, so we, we've held one event so far. We have our second one planned for May of next year. Um, it's a casino night at Theater on the Lake. And so um, first event went great. And we all know that you, know, you kind of work out the kinks on that one. And so I expect the second one to be even better. Now, um, how is the nonprofit community? Are they um, gravitating towards this? Is that, con- you know, kind of treating a nonprofit uh, or uh, like a startup? Is that idea at least resonating with folks yeah it's it's a strategy that's been employed by or deployed i should say by uh by several organizations kind of like social venture partners um but yeah it's it's something that i think is is great because it gives um people like our 100 employees a look at what's going on in the nonprofit space allows them to then either volunteer their time or donate their dollars to those causes. Um, and at the same time, being part of something that's a, a bigger initiative that can have um, kind of a more material um, financial impact on a firm. Then uh, are the nonprofits open to the that concept, though, of iterating, you know, kind of uh, 
cutting loose the things that maybe aren't working. Maybe they have to kind of mash up or maybe they have to consolidate. Is that because that seems a little not like typical nonprofit thinking? <laughs> Yeah, it's, I, I think it depends. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think it, that there are definitely those that are um, open to a lot of that, that way of thinking. Um, those tend to be the ones that I know, at least through social venture partners that we've gravitated more towards. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a constantly evolving space. And um, it's, it's a very fragmented space as well, um, where you have a lot of groups doing similar things, but kind of in their own unique way and just making sure that they can kind of work together well enough to have the biggest impact. Right. No, I'm, I think that's fantastic. I, I wish more nonprofits would take that kind of mindset of let's join forces instead of each of us just, you know, kind of touching one little point on the elephant. You know, we can all grab the elephant if we all do work together. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think... <laughs> A big challenge is uh, typically you have a very strong nonprofit leader that that ultimately uh, is incredibly passionate about what they do and how they do it. And it's not always necessarily you know, the easiest thing in the world to um, to kind of meld those together. But yeah, certainly there's there are examples of where that's happened and had um, just a really outsized impact on the community. Yeah, I, I, especially um, during a downturn in the economy, this is where they should be joining forces and kind of working together instead of kind of being splintered. Correct. Um, now, getting back to COVID, can you talk a little bit, like walk me through the onboarding. Are, are your clients, I would imagine they are, um, they're moving, if they're coming to COVID, they've had a wealth management firm and they're moving to you. Is that accurate? Oftentimes that's the case, um, not necessarily all the time, uh, particularly uh, our Orange County operation uh, tends to have a lot of kind of more the, the do-it-yourselfer um, camp. But uh, yeah, for the most part, uh, a client typically coming to us has been with some other sort of wealth advisor in the past. And is the reason they're moving is that what we discussed earlier, there wasn't those lines of communication weren't open. They were frustrated. Maybe they wanted to do something and they weren't getting their attention. They felt they deserved. I think that's a big reason. Uh, sometimes it's, it's purely just investment performance related as well. Um, I think one of our biggest differentiators is a lot of what we do on the investment side of things are our own proprietary strategies so I think we can speak very well uh, to the investment piece of the equation rather than just kind of relying upon um, kind of more high level, either asset allocation pieces or um, uh, I guess I would say just kind of particular managers that somebody has selected, whereas we can speak to the individual stock selected or um, particular strategies that we're in charge of. Now, when you come, uh, when they kind of choose you to be part of their trusted advisory team, uh, at that point, are you kind of quarterbacking this or are you just a role player in on their team? Because I would think that kind of the wealth is is at the heart of a lot of the decisions they're going to make as a family regarding legacy, regarding health care, insurance, um, not just, you know, the investment dollars. Right. When we onboard the client, there's a very lengthy 
a questionnaire that they complete for us that kind of details uh, as much as they can on their financial situation. And we'll go through and evaluate that um, in a variety of different levels, whether it be something that may be kind of on the more basic side, like insurance, all the way through kind of tax and estate planning. And then based on kind of the outcome of that and the financial planning uh, work that we do in terms of kind of what they're looking to accomplish, uh, we'll then help coordinate with um, the various outside parties, whether it be tax accountants, estate planning attorneys, or or something along those lines uh, to really kind of help bring everybody together. Now, are your clients, um, like, what is the profile of an ideal client for you? Is it uh, a, a business owner? Is it somebody who's inherited money? Are they celebrities, athletes, all of the above? Yeah, we're, we're definitely more in the all of the above camp. Um, I would say our, our current base of clients tends to focus more on kind of executives, business owners, and professionals. Um, but yeah, certainly kind of our, our typical client really just kind of looking at the numbers has about three and a half million under management with us. Um, we do have a million dollar minimum. And so really kind of anybody that's that fits that profile that really does want to get kind of very hands-on um, financial planning uh, seems to be a good fit for us. So what do you need more of? How can we help? Do you need more um, employees? You need more clients? You need uh, more nonprofits to serve? Uh, how can we help you? Yeah, it, well, ultimately, I think just being on the show here and getting our name out there helps with all of those things. Uh, you never know which one you're going to need at a particular point in time. So um, yeah, really just kind of being on here is great. And for anybody that's listening that would like to hear more, just feel free to visit our website and we'd love to talk to you. And then what's the URL for the website? It's www.covitz, that's K-O-V as in Victor, I-T as in Tom, Z as in zebra.com. Well, Ted, thank you so much for sharing your story. You're doing important work and we appreciate you. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. All right, this is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Chicago Business Radio. This episode of Chicago Business Radio has been brought to you by FirmSpace, your private sanctuary for productivity and growth. To learn more, go to firmspace.com.